Welcome to Talking Talent Solutions, a DZ Connects podcast. Each episode of this podcast highlights how a total talent solutions approach can help organizations across industries solve complex talent needs while helping decrease their costs and also improve their business operations. I'm your typical host, Joe McIntyre, introducing a bit of an atypical episode. As business leaders and hiring managers well know, we faced more challenges over the past few years than any of us even thought possible. Yet in the face of economic instability, businesses have a unique opportunity to confront those challenges head on and proactively equip themselves for the ever-evolving future through talent acquisition. Recently, a handful of our experts at DZ Connects, along with folks from some other leading organizations, sat down for an insightful panel discussion on that exact subject, future-proofing talent acquisition in an era of change. Hosted by Marsha Haygood, Vice President at DZ Connects, this special episode features a panel discussion with Jason Bouchard, Vice President of Business Development at DZ Connects, Arco Basak, partner at the Evers Group, and Jeff Mulligan. In their discussion, the group shares insights on the growing integration of permanent and contingent talent strategies and approaches. They also get into some of the best practices to operationalize next-gen talent, considerations and implications of your talent acquisition strategy to keep in mind, and even more than that. With that, we hope you enjoy the conversation. My name is Marcia Haygood. I am the Vice President of DZ Connects, and I oversee our total talent solutions for all of our clients in our organization. So we, before we get started, I'd like to just take a minute to introduce individuals that joining are joining me on the call today. I'm going to start with Jason Bouchard. Jason Bouchard is a colleague of mine. Um, he has 25 years of experience in the staffing industry. Jason has a strong foundation in working with both local and national accounts at the agency level. And over a decade ago, he transitioned into selling total talent solutions, specifically RPO services on a global scale. Currently serving as the Vice President of Business Deve Development at DZ Connects, Jason is responsible for leading the sales of DZX Total Talent Solutions in the Eastern region of the United States. Also joining me today is Jeff Mulligan. Um, Jeff Mulligan is a talent acquisition specialist and he brings over 20 years of experience in talent acquisition, HR systems and workforce planning. He is dedicated to helping clients discover the most cost-effective and efficient methods for hiring the talent they require. And Jeff's expertise lies in designing and constructing scalable talent acquisition organizations, infrastructure, and processes that promote an integrated strategy for attracting, acquiring, hiring, and managing key talent. And rounding out our panel today is our uh, partner from Everest Group, Arco Basak is a leader in the business process services team and assists clients on topics related to the entire HR and talent services value chain, including permanent and contingent talent acquisition, payroll benefits, learning, broader talent management, and multi-process HR sourcing. Arco leads Everest Group's RPO managed services and HR outsourcing offerings. So thank you so much to my panelists today for joining me on this webinar. And we're gonna go ahead and get started. So I'm going to start by turning it over to Arco. And Arco is going to lead us through a few slides to really focus on our overall talent objectives from organizations. We're gonna talk a little bit about expectations from the providers, 
what a holistic talent strategy looks like for organizations. So Arco, I'm gonna turn it over to you. Yeah, thanks, thanks, Mastia, and great to be here. Uh, so yeah, I mean, you know, when we talk to a lot of our clients, a lot of organizations, one key theme that is coming out is, you know, having a talent strategy, which is sustainable, right? So a lot of organizations had to hire a lot of people during the, you know, crazy period of 21 and early 22. Mm -hmm. And then unfortunately, uh, many organizations had to lay off a lot of people that they had hired, right? And the feeling is that this is not sustainable. You can't keep this doing in rapid cycles, especially now that, you know, organizations are realizing that economic cycles are not like one recession a decade, but probably much quicker. So you need a talent strategy which does not require this, you know, ups and downs so quickly. And that is where this desire around sustainable talent strategy is becoming important. And the way I see it, and uh, the way I hear it is it's twofold, right? It's not just for the entire organization. Of course, that's the most critical, but it's equally important for the recruiting organization. You know, no one wants to hire a lot of recruiters and then a few months down the line, they see that the recruiters have uh, not a lot of work to do. Mm -hmm. So we see organizations asking questions like, you know, what is my long-term workforce strategy? Does a, do I need to have a better mix between permanent and contingent and freelancers or are there other modern sources to do the work and ultimately building that uh, future talent acquisition practice? Okay. So the, you know, as, as organizations are moving you know, towards this goal or trying to move towards this goal, they or rather everyone now realizes that talent acquisition is much more complex today right you any organization doing just sourcing and screening is, is not enough right that's of course the core but a lot of additional things are required in addition to that and organizations are heavily depending on their providers mm -hmm. uh, whether it's rpo or msp or staffing on the services side or their ATSs or VMSs or CRMs on the technology side to help them achieve these objectives, which are much more strategic than ever before. And that is where we see organizations asking these questions, are my service providers strategic enough to help me achieve these goals moving into the future? So what we did is we, we did a survey of 200 plus enterprises, uh, senior HR and talent leaders, and also uh, you know CXOs and in general business leaders, and we asked them you know what is their view on total talent and how that helps them achieve uh, this talent sustainability and building a future-proof organization. So here are some of the results that you see uh, in terms of where organizations felt that permanent and contingent workforce can be aligned or brought in together, right? So one of the survey responses that's very close to my heart is the leverage of direct sourcing technology solutions. So if I think about it, the direct sourcing on the permanent side, which is done by CRMs, is actually not too different from direct sourcing being done on the contingent side. So that 63%, the last one here on the page, doesn't surprise me at all. But uh, Jeff, let me ask you, right? You know, workforce planning is something that's very close to your heart. Mm 
So what are your thoughts on the numbers over here, especially that, you know, 61% on workforce planning? So I'm a technology guy myself, so I agree with you. I'm excited to see the percentages on the right side of the scale. When I think about talent strategies and the fluctuations in the market and in the economy, um, future-proofing your talent acquisition, your strategy, for me, kind of leans to the left side of the screen towards workforce planning. A lot of companies do workforce planning. They look at their existing workforce. I think what a lot of companies don't do and should start doing is something called hire planning. And, and the output of workforce planning and the development of a hire plan is the input to any TA leader's job, right? All of the work that's done there lets us know how we go to market and how do we find the talent that we need. And the, the higher plans are more than just looking at what's existing in your ATS and your HCM at the moment, right? You're looking at incremental headcount increases. You're looking at strategic hires through contracted labor and working with partners. You're looking at what is your internal mobility? What are your attrition rates? All of that built into the front end. So I'd really like to see the 61% go up a little bit higher. Uh, I think all those things inform your demand management, your talent talent management, the types of tools that you use, and how you leverage your partners. Um, for me in the past, I've worked with RPOs uh, in the past, so that's not a surprise being how long I've been in, in the business. And bringing those partners into the table in the meetings with the CHRO and the line, and the line of business leadership is really how good hire plans get made. Oh. Very, very pertinent points, uh, Jeff. Uh, Mastia, you know, what are you seeing as you speak to a lot of your clients? Do the numbers make sense or so what's your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think that um, it's no surprise to me that talent management would be a high percentage. I mean, you think about, you know, talent management encompasses a lot of things, recruitment, performance management, reward development, and all that, all of that leads to retention. So you want to make sure that the individuals that you're bringing in, you're able to retain. I agree with Jeff, workforce planning, it's, it's, it's got to be up there. It's got to be very important because I truly feel like if you're not doing proper workforce planning, you can have every intention of leveraging technologies of digital tools, but if you're not planning appropriately for your workforce, then all of those other things are going to fall short for you because you don't have that vision. You're not forward thinking. You're not seeing what it is that you're going to need to ultimately run your business, business and manage your business and the tools and the technology are there to empower that. So I do agree with Jeff on that, that the workforce planning piece and the higher planning, which I know Jeff's going to talk a little bit more about later on, is really important in order for all of those other items to fall into play. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. it's absolutely heartening to see the numbers. So Marcia, do you want to you know quickly talk about some of the benefits uh, about total talent that organizations can expect once they move yeah. into this? Yeah, I, I, I think so. I think there are a lot of great benefits in it. And I think total talent has a lot of potential. So if we move along, we see this here and we see three particular areas that we have, you know, put down and we feel like organizations, we still see organizations are focusing on. But um, I want to kind of get some insight from Jeff on this one. So, you know, we've broken this down by cost impact, business impact, strategic impact. But Jeff, I'd welcome your thoughts on whether or not you have seen goals shift within organizations when it comes to recognizing and achieving the overall benefits. And do you still feel like this is where people are seeing the potential of total talent? I think this is where people see the potential. And throughout the year or throughout a three-year plan, you'll see the 
focus shift from one column to the next within here. I always believe that the strategy is one of the most important things that, that people should be involved in. Our TA leaders more and more are becoming less order takers and more advisory boards to the business. And it's not just in the acquisition of new talent. I have on several occasions and more often been involved in the talent management process. Mm -hmm. And how do we leverage our partners on the contracted work side and the RPO side to get a better view of what our talent is that exists today and what levers can we move up and down based yeah. on economic needs and the strategy of the business as it changes. So I think all three are important. It depends on the time of the year and what where the economy is, and honestly, the maturity of the business and their leadership. Yeah. Thanks, Jeff. I think that on this slide, we talk about the great potential, but we also have to think about, obviously, areas where it's fallen short. Um, people always have great, you know, potential and, and ideas of what it is that they want for their total talent solutions. But then, you know, we talk a little bit more about the challenges. So, um, Jason, I'm going to kind of move over to you on this discussion. Um, so as someone in your role um, are you, and you're having discussions with prospect clients and they're sharing their objectives um, of total talent, what are you hearing in your discussions? Are you finding that these are still some key challenges that individuals are facing? Definitely. Good afternoon, everybody. Um, again, key challenges from what I see when working with clients that is that typically most organizations still separate contingent and full-time hiring, and it creates that push and pull between talent acquisition and procurement. I do see more and more where TA is getting involved in the contingent worker discussions around the process and getting everybody onboarded and things of that nature, but not in the pricing discussions. And then when talking RPO, talent acquisition leads those discussions, right? And through the sales process. Mm -hmm. With procurement being on the back end, reviewing responses and giving feedback or leading that final pricing negotiation. It's the way organizations have done it for the past 20 or 30 years. Change is difficult. Yeah. Jeff, any comments on this slide as well? Well, I agree with Jason. Um, change is inevitable. And as companies realize that their workforce exists in many different forms, whether that's FTE, an RPO or managed service group or contingent workforce, they really need to look at it in a holistic approach. Siloed organizations are, are, are a continued issue for almost every company because the lines of business or the different departments have varying or sometimes conflicting goals. Technology and integration you know, as time rolls on and we see AI, I hope that those would become less of a challenge and, and maybe it's education to the companies. I have in the past integrated two ATSs at the same time, in addition to programmatic tools. Jason's nodding his head. Jason and I have done some work in the past together in, in this realm and it, it really is not insurmountable. There's a lot of work that can be done and the there's a drastic change in how the workflow works when you talk about building the top of the funnel for the candidates that a business would need. But these are definitely some of the, the same challenges they see even with the clients that are represented today, but they're not insurmountable. Yeah, okay. So not being insurmountable means that we've got to start somewhere, right, Jeff? <laughs> we've got to. We've got to figure out how we're going to make this work when it comes to total talent. So what we see here are just some recommendations that we've seen in the industry as far as best practices and starting points. But I want to hear from you, Jeff, first on what you feel and what you consider is a good starting point. If you feel like there are in these 
particular sections if there are any other additional considerations that organizations need to make? Well, for me, workforce planning and higher plans, the center one to the left would be the most important. I think a good plan informs every decision that you're going to make, whether that's the org of the talent acquisition structure itself, their technology stack and what they're using today, um, and certainly the, the different types of, of social media and channels that you can do outreach for. Um, so I would definitely start in the middle and on the left. Yeah. I agree. And I think that um, we're going to talk a little bit more about uh, leveraging of external service providers, but I would also say that what where we have found success as a total talent solutions partner is actually getting involved in that workforce planning. So being a, having a seat at the table and being involved in that process, because what we find is that we are able to offer best practices to our clients when it comes to some considerations of what they need to be looking at when they're workforce planning. And also from our experience and expertise in technology stack, being able to give some considerations and how you can utilize technology to help support that workforce planning and moving you in the forward direction. I would agree wholeheartedly. I mean, yeah. RPOs and, and groups like yours have the benefit of a very broad client base with best practices shared across multiple companies. Um, most TA leaders base their decisions on their previous experience or current experience. Mm -hmm. You know, when you partner with somebody who's got a large portfolio, you get everyone's experience. It's almost like cloud sourcing um, your answers to questions, right? Um, the other benefit I see to, to the total talent packages that I've worked with in the past is the entry to market for technology is a lot easier uh, and the cost of it is a lot lower when you partner with someone, as opposed to me going as an individual in a company and licensing, we can leverage probably volume discounts in licensing through, through an RPO association. And it makes it a lot easier for us to, to grow as technology grows. And if AI has taught us anything, those cycle times are getting shorter and shorter. Yeah. Um, it's harder and harder for companies to stay abreast of the technology. If you've got a partner who's focused solely on staffing and hiring, um, that is somewhat beneficial uh, to those teams that engage them. Absolutely. And I think we may have stole a little bit of Arco's thunder coming into the next slide because he's going to, as our uh, consulting advisory expert on the call, he's going to talk a little bit more about what you can do to bring in those providers to help you with your workforce planning and your move to total talent. So Arco, you want to take, talk to us a little bit about this? Yeah, absolutely, right. Uh, you know, one of the things that we see when organizations are trying to embark on this journey is the sheer size of change management, right? To many people and many organizations, this is too big, right? Bringing permanent, contingent freelancers, thinking of your outsourcing providers, technology, it just seems like a mind-numbingly large exercise. So we see some organizations or actually quite a few organizations you know, trying to break it down into more manageable pieces. It need not be one massive exercise, but a calibrated approach, which looks at some aspects of permanent and contingent, which can be brought together, you know, that might be an easy starting point. Yeah. And one common one there is, you know, direct sourcing. You just touched upon it, but, you know, why not just build common talent pools? Uh, most organizations or rather many organizations would have, some talent pools already on the permanent side. You know, why not just reuse them on the contingent side? Similarly, you know, maybe technology can help being that starting point of unification, right? Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, Jeff has talked 
a lot about the importance of workforce planning and hire planning and how that aligns with business strategy. Maybe just start with those plans. Uh, and of course, uh, maybe your internal organization around having a centralized talent acquisition team might be helpful. So, so these are some of the calibrated approaches that we are seeing. But the other part that we are seeing is, you know, this is this is something new, something different. And as Jeff mentioned, service providers, whether RPOs or MSPs, often have that advantage of speaking to multiple organizations and bringing in some of those best practices on how to do these. Organizations on their own might find this quite challenging because this is not something which has established best practices for the last 10 years or 15 years. So many organizations are actually looking towards their RPO, MSP, and other providers to provide them that consultative help and as well as operational help to start and embark on this uh, you know, total talent journey, either a big bang approach or the calibrated approach uh, that we are seeing on this page. Yeah, and I do feel like from my experience and best practices that bringing in, uh, if you currently have an RPO provider or MSP provider and bringing them into those discussions, especially when you're looking at technology, if nothing else, they're probably gonna have an insight and they're gonna see things into your business that because you're not into the day-to-day -day technology and to every requisition or every opportunity that's coming forth, um, they're going to be able to bring that different focus for you. So they're going to look at things a little bit differently than what you're looking at overarching, but they're going to ensure that even in you know choosing a technology that you're checking down on all of the items that are going to be relevant to your business and it's going to allow your business to move forward in the right direction. Thank you, Arco. So we're going to shift topics just a little bit. Um, earlier in the slide, you saw that 60% of organizations are lo looking to leverage direct sourcing. And I want to just uh, bring Jeff into this conversation a little bit and let's talk about what we're seeing here on the slide and based on the survey results. Um, can you speak a little bit to the alignment of the percentages to what you're seeing in organizations when it comes to their goals for direct sourcing? But first of all, before you start that, I think one of the things that I want to understand from you too is, do you find that direct sourcing takes on a different theme for depending on the organization or depending on a, a different definition? And can you speak to that first? So sorry about that. I had two questions. <laughs> That's okay. I think, I think. If you ask 14 different companies what direct sourcing meant, you'd get 14 different answers. Absolutely. Um, for me, the, the numbers make sense. The combining a permanent contingent talent acquisition management is something I think people should, should move towards. And just my own experience, I'm, I don't want to speak for anyone else on the call or anyone else in the audience, but when I build teams, my partners are not just at arm's length providing support to me. They're involved in the planning sessions and the discussions with the business themselves and the business line leaders. And I know in a lot of companies, an RPO partner or another vendor or group is kept at arm's length and they're fed information later on. The best success I've had is bringing folks in-house with us. When we build our teams. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference between an FTE recruiter and an RPO recruiter because the experience was exactly the same because they were so embedded in what we were doing that that delivery model was very seamless to them. So I think more and more people are going to look at this, not just because of the cost of it, Marsha, and understanding what their cost is for contracted labor as opposed to direct hires. I think people are starting to realize that they're all part of the same workforce. 
even though they might look different on paper, they're all involved in doing things. And I don't want to get involved in co-employment issues or anything like that, but I think you're going to see more and more of those things coming together um, and people focusing more on them because that's what those are the folks that get the work done every day, regardless yeah. of their employment type. Um, branding, I'd like to see that a little bit more top of mind when we talk about the economic changes and the use of technology and Arco talked about that, you know, the use of AI in, in the employer brand and the, the value proposition that people express out to the world is becoming more and more important. So I really would like to see people focus a little bit more on that. DE&I, 67% doesn't surprise me. It's not as easy to stand up a program as people might think. You can't just go out and say that you have a program. You have to create a space that's comfortable and safe for people to join. And that takes time and effort from the lines of businesses, not just the talent acquisition teams on the attraction side. Um, I do see a, re a reducing dependency on third-party suppliers when it comes to perhaps just true agency. Um, the costs are higher uh, that I've seen in the past. Um, but people will really need to focus across the board on all of them. I'm not going to say you won't ever use an agency. Our workforce is getting smaller and smaller. I don't know how many people in the audience look at census data, but we aren't having as many children as we have globally. So the, the fight for resources will become extraordinary in the next 10 to 15 years. We've got about a 10-year gap where those rates have dropped dramatically. So yeah, I hope that answered your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that I'm in complete agreement with that. I think employee branding you know, impacts so many of these other items. If you look at DNI and then you look at being able to combine your permanent and contingent talent, what are you putting out there in the market? And I agree with you when it comes to third-party suppliers um, and, and the fact that I, I feel like it's always going to be a need for suppliers, especially when you start getting to those niche skill sets. We're always going to have that need based on the, you know, the fact that the environment still is, it's a candidate environment. And as your skill sets get a little bit more difficult, you're still probably going to have to rely on those third-party suppliers for some support. So complete agreement on that. Thank you, Jeff. So again, so moving a little bit more onto the intent to work upon achieving the benefits. Um, Jason, as a sales individual, what are you hearing um, in discussions you're having with clients or seeing an RFP request when it comes to combining direct sourcing approaches for contingent and permanent staffing? People are hesitant. You know, I think there's a lot of talk, and these numbers will show that there's a lot of talk around total talent, but many organizations are afraid to make that jump. Rarely does it happen at once. An RPO and or an, an MSP solution is usually sold first. Success is achieved, trust is earned, um, and the program expands from there. I think it's much easier to accomplish this in a medium-sized organization just due to the amount of people you have to get swimming in the same direction. Um, touching on what Arco had said earlier in regards to direct sourcing, you know, direct sourcing is pipelining and, and talent pooling, and it's been part of an RPO program since its inception. Um, and that total talent, bringing everything together, is giving them just built-in talent pools to, to really start that process. Um, makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Arco, can you share a little bit with us about the use utilization of technology as an enabler for talent, total talent solutions? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is again something that's close to my heart. 
uh, in the sense that I think all of us here know that HR and specifically talent acquisition is one area where there are literally hundreds and thousands of tools and technologies out there. I'm sure everyone in the audience receives emails almost every other day regarding some cool new tool doing some cool new functionality. Uh, and and all of and not all of them, but quite a few of them are really good tools, right? Providing a lot of benefits uh, to clients and to organizations. But the problem is, you know, having 10, 15, 20 different tools just for talent acquisition, you know, uh, just uh, brings in a lot of problems. So what we now see organizations trying to move towards is a total talent technology. So the aim is to integrate these various tools and technologies that are out there, you know, because I think everyone has now realized talent and talent acquisition is not a place where you can have just one big platform, right? That, that period has already gone out. But that unification or integration becomes very important. To me, that brings in two primary benefits. One, the integration helps seamless flow of data across the various tools. On one hand, you have the core tools, such as the ATSs and VRM, sorry, VMSs and CRMs. And then you have all these point applications. And once data is flowing seamlessly through all of them, that really provides that great analytics and great insights. And things like hire planning or workforce planning starts to flow from them. So that's one primary benefit of having this integrated technology ecosystem. And the other is the experience. You do not want your candidates or even your own workers and hiring managers having to log in and log out of 10 different systems you know, just to hire one person or just to apply for a job. So that is where we see the importance of it. And once again, this is, this is very difficult to achieve. And we see the RPO and MSP providers actually playing a pretty big role in bringing this all together, you know, selecting the right tools for their clients and then doing that integration exercise on behalf of their clients. All right, thank you, Jason. So uh, with Arco saying that you're seeing that come to fruition with the utilization of the RPO and MSP partners, can you talk to me a little bit about how DZ Connects is doing that today for their clients? Great question. I mean, we're leveraging our Connects or proprietary Connects platform and basically it integrates with our customer system of record, enables us to provide our partners with real-time data um, just through Power BI, Power BI dashboards. Obviously, you know, data in, data out. So it's all imperative um, on accurate data collection um, so that our managers can make the right choices for workforce planning for the future of, of the organization. Yeah. As well as current talent pools for both, um, as we discussed, current talent pools for both um, FTE and contingent workers. Jeff, any any comments on this slide for you and what you're seeing in organizations and how they're utilizing the technology stack? Well, much like Arco, I like technology. So for me, um, I'm a data-driven decision maker. Uh -huh. My gut's been right most of the time. I see more and more companies, you know, as Arco mentioned, wistfully hoping that someday someone will build a platform that takes us from attraction all the way through to like maybe post one, day one, 90 day event. But as of today, we have to cobble together what we have. BI is doing a great job for us with output documentation and creating stories that are consumable for business leaders. 
Um, but leveraging an RPO that has access to the technology at a lower cost and already integrated into their systems is a big benefit to companies because a lot of folks don't have the understanding of how it works, to Arco's mm -hmm. point. How do you connect all the pieces to get the output documents that you want? to tell the story, to help business leaders understand the decisions they're making are either good or bad or, or they're okay. So yeah, I, I like okay. it. Thank you. So I'm going to um, spend a, a few minutes with Jeff talking a little bit about uh, this slide and the alignment of dynamic workforce planning with when it comes to your overall business strategy. So Jeff, I'm going to turn it over to you and let's talk a little bit about what successful workforce planning looks like for you? So for me, historically speaking, um, TA, and I've heard the term before, needs a seat at the table. Um, mm -hmm. It's not just TA, your, your partners in, in what you're doing also need to be present. Good ideas come from just about anywhere. And dynamic workforce planning, to me, in creating hiring plans, again, as I talked about before, isn't just the existing workforce in your your human resources module for whatever whatever platform you're using, but it, it also involves attrition data, it involves internal mobility, it involves the existing requisitions, all tied back to the goals and objectives for the company. A lot of businesses I see tout great plans on January 1 of every year, but then don't touch them again until the fourth quarter. Uh, I think when you look at analyzing the, the future needs of the skills and the right people in the right place, the last part of that at the right time is also very important. Um, I think as, as TA teams mature and become more of an advisory board to the business, you'll see this workforce planning change and you'll see more and more input from external market data that provides information. And, and not every company's TA team has a sourcing arm. Some of the large RPOs have sourcing teams that do nothing but look external to provide and influence what those higher plans might look like. Um, when, when we think about data analytics, you know, there's a lot of information out there. Arco mentioned it. There's a lot of tools and a lot of technology. Um, utilizing those data sets in a consumable manner throughout the year and touch points with your TA leaders and the lines of business and their HR business partners is something that I think if companies aren't doing today, they really need to start doing. Everyone knows that what happens on January 1st is not what's happening in the third quarter of a business. And these, the first slide I think was talking about the starts and stops. It's not, it's not a crazy idea to think that that doesn't have to happen if you manage your hiring plan and your workforce strategy throughout the entire year and the ebbs and flows of the market tied back to the business success, maturity and financial stability, you don't actually have to function that way. Yeah. Uh, and that's not just my opinion. We've proved it and we've done it before. So it, it is possible. So um, talk to me a little bit about if you're, if you're thinking about work, workforce planning and where do you even start? Like who usually owns the, the overall project. Do do organizations see it as a project that you're, you know, how did how is how is that even set up to even be able to kind I of think, start? We talked about the parties that need to be involved, but who right. who really is owning the 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 the, the owners? It has the ownership of the project. So jokingly, I think most people treat it like a hot potato. They they don't really <laughs> want to be involved in it because it, in in its concept, it's somewhat stifling 
and difficult. For me, I think it starts with the business strategy, the, the leader of the business. And I don't mean just the CEO. There are multiple lines in businesses that have hiring functions that hire. I think starting with a CHRO, the leadership of the business to determine where are we today? What is our, what are, what is our skills gap and what do we need? And then what does that look like in the future? And partnering with their finance folks and their TA leaders, those are the first groups of people that should be in a small room to talk about what is our strategy for the future. Those, the output of that decision-making process is the input to any, any is a good input to any TA leaders roadmap to how they build their teams and fund them and structure them and what partners they bring in to perform total talent hiring. Does that help? Yeah, it does. And um, and you started with the workforce planning starting at a high level, but I'm assuming and not putting words in your mouth that you do truly feel like it goes deep into the organization, though. You've got to have at some point the right people at the table to be able it to does. support that. It, yeah. And it has to be an iterative process. You can't just do it at the beginning of the year and think that things will work out perfectly. The market changes, you have attrition, you have internal mobility. There are so many factors that happen that require you touching this plan and really involving those people again. And I'm, I'm not saying for high volume hires that you're pulling in your CFO or your, chief, your CAO and the CHRO, but there need to be people at lower levels in the organization that are constantly looking at this and validating it and then raising it up to validate it with overall business plans for the future. So, yeah. Okay. You know. So, Jeff, uh, sorry, a question from my side. So, you mentioned skill gaps, right? So one thing that we are seeing is, and it's probably a pretty hot topic, is this entire you know, skills ontology, right? Before you do or associate uh, skill gaps or calculate that, you really need to understand what are the skills that are available within your organization and really being able to use the same language to match with what skills are out there at a particular location or a particular country. So there's a lot of discussion around this, but seems like nobody has really cracked this, right? It's everyone is well, in some, some businesses have. So I grew up in headhunting and they're skills-based organizations. Their, their value proposition to the clients are, these are the people that work for our consulting firm and these are the skills that they bring forward. I was at Cornell, uh, not last week, the week before for AI and recruiting. And I, I don't want to tout companies, but there was a company that's been on a 10-year journey to do exactly this, Arco. Skills map their entire organization so they have a better value proposition when they go to the street. And you can do it. It takes a little bit of time. I will tell you, generative AI could be a very big help to anybody that's on the phone. If your company's risk averse, it might be a little bit tougher. But if you could apply that large language model to the data set that exists and the skills that are represented in your Workday system or SAP system, whatever record of, of data source that you have for human capital management, you could serve up a process where you, you inform your, your associate or employee population, here's what we think your skills are, just go validate them. And you really could move a lot faster in doing it. But I agree with you, Arco. Everyone needs to understand that regardless of the business that they're in, they are a skills-based organization, whether they realize it or not. Yeah. Arco, do you, you, did you have another question or comment? No, I mean, I, I completely agree with Jeff that yeah. know, generative AI has finally probably 
brought us to that stage where skills-based organization building can become a reality. Right? As a concept, it's great, but we are lacking in the technology part of it. So now with that, uh, you know, it's probably possible now. Uh, yeah, and then it's I been think, solved. Yeah, and I think once that is there, the fear around workforce planning or the fear to start uh, workforce planning that starts to go away because now you have solid data and a foundation from where to you know start. You're not just you know throwing stones in the air. Great, thanks. Thank you both. So I'm gonna um, shift over to Jason for a minute, and I wanna talk to Jason a little bit about achieving total talent and what you're seeing in organizations as they react to need to their need for total talent. You know, it's, it really is that piece, it's, it's gotta have that buy-in from the top. You, mm -hmm. you, everybody's gotta be working together to make it happen. Um, and they have to have really the same thought process and alignment, right? It's not based on, it, it can't be based on price as well as based on um, best in class, right? It's gotta, everyone's gotta be on the same page. Mm -hmm. Okay. Anyone else, Jeff, Arco, on achieving total talent, what's needed? Yeah, uh, I think uh, you know all of the points mentioned over here are pretty interesting, but it brings me back to my earlier point that you know these are big changes and these require a lot of you know alignment between possibly groups in the organizations which have traditionally not worked together. So probably I'll Masi, I'll put the question back to you. Do you see a role of you know service providers, whether RPO, MSP, where you can you can play a consultative role? maybe for some of the larger organizations in terms of, you know, helping them bring all of this uh, together, right? Helping put, take the data from the permanent side, take the data from the contingent side, you know, do that skill planning and start doing strategic workforce planning instead of organizations trying to build this capability internally on their own. Yeah, absolutely. I think that when you look at um, organizations that we work with looking to execute their strategic workforce plan, when we when we start having discussions with them, where we still see a lot of times, with, especially with larger organizations, and we talked about it earlier, is the silo. So I think that there, we're still at a point that a lot of organizations need to have those internal conversations to open up that avenue for us to be able to have access to that. Because as we all know, there are some organizations where your RPO provider may not be your MSP provider right now. And you've, you've got different technologies that you're working with, different partners that you're working with. Um, but I do feel, I, I, I honestly feel like there is a benefit in having your providers have a seat at the table um, for so many reasons, not only just technology, but best practices, similar to what Jeff was talking about. You know, we have access to several organizations and what they're doing and their ideas and being able to bring them as a part of this journey with you automatically gives you that access to their best practices and what we've been seeing in the industry. So um, I feel like it's it's something that's always discussed. It's an intent that every organization that I work with and organization that I talk to, that's what they're moving towards. But I think that there is still some challenges internally as an organization to kind of remove themselves from that silo to be able to see that if we all work together, information is properly shared, 
we can all come up with a really strong strategic plan that will allow us to be more mindful of our hiring practices, how we're hiring, when we're hiring, and in turn, be able to ensure that we've got the right, right partners and technology support to back that. Anyone else? Well, I, I think I agree with everybody. The change management piece is the important part. And for me, historically, when I was working with a client or a company that didn't have the change management, a change management group involved, I leaned into an RPO that could bring those services forward for us and allow them to do benchmarking and then share best practices. And that certainly helps with senior leadership getting a little bit more comfortable, right? Because what they're trying to avoid, Marsha and Jason and Arco, is just risk, right? Yeah. They're unsure of it. They've never seen it before. And at Jason's point, a lot of these organizations, when 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 things are siloed, they literally are siloed. They're never worked, they've never worked together before. They're not sure how to communicate with each other. They're not sure what the deliverables are from each group. If you can have a single provider come in and provide that change management, it makes the whole process a lot easier. Yeah. So I think we've um, we've kind of we shifted on key considerations before individuals start embarking on a total talent journey. So I'm going to start with Arco. What what do you what do you what do you see as far as the key considerations in general um, as we close this part of our webinar out that organizations should be considering? Yeah, thanks, Marcia. But once again, you know, before I answer, you know, would want to put Jeff on the spot once again. <laughs> uh, Jeff, you keep being put on the spot. <laughs> So, so for me, go ahead, Arco. What's your what's your uh, question? Yeah, I, I, you know, we talked about this potential of a centralized talent acquisition team, or you know, if you have, if you have to remove the silos, you know, have some sort of a unified organization. Where should that sit? Should that sit in HR? Should that sit in procurement, or be a brand new department or sort of group of its own? A centralized process like that is enterprise wide. You know, I think it should sit with talent in talent. And most typically those those groups exist in HR. And I'm, I'm, I'll make a statement that might be inflammatory. I sit in an HR function. My job is sales, right? I, I, as a recruiter, I'm selling the idea and the concept of a company. I think if you're going to move to something that's total talent, it should be with the TA teams. And then there should be people that, if you think about a RACI that are responsible, accountable, that you consult and that inform, but something this big needs its own attention and its own leadership. I mean, you're talking about moving workloads from multiple silos into one organization. And it, it, in my mind, it, it basically becomes its own organization, Arco, if that helps. So you might need to rethink your HR structure and your talent acquisition structure because they're going to need a little bit more help when you're moving folks over from other orgs. Yeah, thanks. Thanks, Jeff. That was very helpful. And now, Mafia, to your original question, to me, I think the most important part is the cultural change, right? Of course, you know, we definitely need upper management buy-in. We need the stakeholders alignment, but ultimately it's those, you know, hiring managers on the ground who are putting in requisitions day in and day out if they are not convinced that total talent is right for themselves and for the organization, you know, none of this will really work out, right? If a hiring manager thinks and is convinced that the best way to get a talent that he requires is from a particular supplier, and if he's doing that again and again, you know, nothing else will help. So that cultural change and alignment across the organization is very important. Thank you. Jeff, 
I'm, I agree with Arco as well. Change management is important. A lot of good plans have, have died on the vine because of a lack of adoption and, and helping people understand the value proposition of the change, what's in it for me, basically, and how is it going to improve my life and enhance my experience as a hiring person, I think is something that's very important. You, you definitely need upper management buy-in, right? You're, you're talking about the change of an organizational structure um, and the dependency and other functions. They're all important, but I think the change management piece and, and the key stakeholder alignment is important. Okay. And Jason? Sounding like a broken record. Uh, <laughs> change management. Um, it stems from what I said earlier in regards to both TA and procurement having to be on the same page. So that key stakeholder alignment is huge. But the change management has to come in from the top, from the CEO all the way down. And there has to be some teeth in it um, yeah. so that people actually start adhering to the program so that over the course of time, the benefits start kicking in for the organization. Yeah, and I agree, and I know that it sounds like we're all on the same page, but I've seen um, situations, um, even in, you know, things as simple as implementations of some of your service providers, where if the change management is not laid out properly and you don't have the buy-in, um, then things don't end up being as you would like for them to be, and you start finding yourselves having challenges, and overall, the total talent journey doesn't end up going where you want it to go because you didn't have the right buy-in from the change management from the beginning. So it's so important to ensure that you've got the right individuals involved, that you start creating amb amb ambassadors very early on in the process. And don't be afraid to start out with pilots. Sometimes you may have to st start small, get people involved, see the benefits of what you're trying to accomplish and then continue in a phased approach. And I think a lot of individuals um, may be biting off pieces of it as you get to work towards your ultimate goal. So, um, yeah, and, and I know we, we uh, discussed a lot about the organizational challenges and considerations, mm -hmm. but now that I think of it, you know, the service provider involvement and selection is also very important because if the service providers RPU and MSP divisions are worse silos than the enterprise that they are trying to serve. Yeah. If the service providers, RPU and MSP are not talking to each other, you know, you can't really expect them to do total talent management for you. So the service providers, internal organizational structure, how their leadership is sort of designed, how their, uh, you know, operations and how their delivery teams are designed, I think is very important. The wrong service provider, can actually, you know, completely derail a total talent journey. Absolutely agree, Arco. Thank you for that. All right. Um, and now we're going to move into our Q&A. I want to thank our my panelists for all of their words of wisdom today that we had on the call. Um, and now we're going to take a few questions. So well, the first question is, um, what are the top three things we should keep in mind for hiring in Q1 of 2024? I'm going to send that over to Jeff first. Do you repeat that one for me? What are the top three things we should keep in mind for hiring in Q1 of 2024? Broad question. Um, <laughs> I, I would say accelerated learning and the changes that AI is going to bring to every organization, not just in an HR function, but in companies across the board. Um, I, I think there's there was a lot of apprehension in the past 
And I think with the universities and other educational groups providing more seminars and best practices sharing, I think you're going to see a faster adoption rate. And I think you're going to see changes to the workforce in the market. Okay. So that that's the first thing. And it was the top three. I got to go yep. the three. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think you'll see people do more planning because mm-hmm. of the fluctuations in the economy and the market. And to Arco's point in the beginning of the presentation, it's difficult to manage a workforce and morale with the ups and downs and ebbs and flows of hiring and releasing workforce, right? Um, So I think you'll see some better planning going forward. And I think you might see a stabilization to the market. I, you know, the attrition data that I'm seeing now says less people are leaving their roles. Um, Before it was the quiet resignation, you couldn't keep people, they were going out the door. I think you'll see a continued slow in the attrition in companies. And I think that's something that the talent acquisition teams need to inform their businesses about. If the businesses plan to grow incrementally, there's a cost associated to the headcount. And if they're not attriting people at the at the usual rates, it may be harder to add incremental headcount in the new skills that they need. Okay. Yeah, if I got the third one for you. I think it's it's um really touching on that, but being prepared in a different way, right? In the not too distant past, we've gone through something like we're going through now. So whether it's the first quarter, second quarter, or third quarter, when things start to open back up, you need to be prepared. And if you have unfortunately had to let some of your recruiters, coordinators, and all of that go, being prepared for that process before it opens up will just put you in a better position or put you in a better position than others that haven't. Um, And again, it's something that we called when we came out of COVID. We as TA leaders definitely need to understand the relationship to our our business partners that are outside of the FTE headcount, right? And the planning will inform us of that. We can't scale with an FTE as fast as an RPO could or contingent workforce, right? Mm -hmm. So that's the reason we lean into to organizations like your own from time to time. Yep. Um, then another question that came up is what can we do internally to prepare for our talent partner beforehand? So if we're looking and considering a talent partner, what are some of the things that we can do beforehand to prepare for that? Start that conversation. Start those conversations with with multiple providers to, to see what you're really looking for, the type of service that you are looking for. And that touching on what I said earlier, starting that process now puts you ahead of the eight ball for, for when you need it because contracting and all of that can take up to two or three months, depending on the size of a program. So if you have all of that in play now, without turning it on, it's something to think about. Okay. And then there's, uh, oh, oh, go ahead, Jeff, sorry. No, I agree, start early, start early and and start your process now, because it can take a long time. There was a, a question that came in that said, just a general question of, can you talk more about demand management and why it's gaining traction? So I'm going to start with Jeff on that one. So it depends on how you define it. What, in your surveys, how did you define demand management? Yeah, we define positions. Oh, sorry, I thought, Jeff, that was a question for me because we had that it in is. the survey. So, yeah. yep. so, so we we defined it like, uh, you know, do you really need the number of people that are being put in requisitions, right? So controlling right. the number of people who are being hired and see if, you know, that can be probably reduced. If there is a 
you know, say someone in IT, a Java developer with only 50% occupied, another department needs a Java developer, you know, can that same person do both or do you need to really open a requisition and get in a new Java developer? So, so that's a good question. I'd love to see the rigor that's put on contracted labor put onto FTEs. Because when you look at the work breakdown structures for contracted labor, people are always looking at the hourly rates, what are they doing, what's the output? But you don't see that same rigor in FTE, but I think we'll see changes in that in the future. You know, as I talk about hiring and hiring plans, you know, what are they about? They're, to Arco's point, are they the right people? Are they doing the right thing? And are they fully utilized? for the time that they're with you in the organization. I think demand management is something that people will start to focus more and more on because it also informs your, your total talent approach. If I don't have full utilization here, what should they be doing? And do we need them or do we move them out, right? Or if they're, if they're utilized to max capacity, you know, and that's usually when we hear about demand management, right? That, that leads to the to the incremental headcount increases, right? You look at Jeff's got too much going on right now. We need another Jeff or we need another Jason. But I think in the reverse, people will start to look more and more at that. Thank you. So I'd like to, um, this will be the, we will be concluding our webinar today. I want to uh, personally thank everyone well, for myself as well as um, on behalf of DC Connects for joining us today for the webinar. I'd like to thank our panelists, Jeff, Jason, and Arco for a really good conversation and some really knowledgeable insight into what organizations are doing today and what we can prepare for talent proofing for the future. Thank you for joining us on Talking Town Solutions, a DC Connects podcast. To hear future episodes of this podcast, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you listen in. Also, please make sure to rate, subscribe, and review if you feel so inclined. For Talking Town Solutions, I'm Joe McIntyre. Thanks for listening.